afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Officer Bar Brady came into a workshop where uh, Harpo Finger and Don Callis and some Stooges were making noise with hammers. I did have somebody email me and said, I've worked with that type of equipment and these guys didn't look like they've worked a day in their life and they don't know how to use these things. I had two different people send me the exact same thing. Olivia was just hitting things with a hammer. They're building the gimmick, the exploding barbed wire death Moxley elimination chamber or whatever, right? And Callis talked for a minute and that's probably uh, Tony Khan calling me now for advice. And then Harpo starts doing his promo. Could you hear it? You couldn't hear his promo because he was doing his breathy phone sex voice. And you couldn't even understand what he was saying. And that was pretty much it. It was not, we're building a dome of steel in Atlanta. It wasn't that. Uh, Do you think for the fan that isn't an observer reader or a fan of 1990s FMW, do you think they should have licensed some footage from whoever owns the FMW catalog or something just to, if you're going to do this stupid match, yeah, show what it is. I mean, how's anyone at home who's not a hardcore fan supposed to know what this is? But here's the thing. (laughs) If they show what it is, then people are going to go, that's what it is. I mean, you have to be a real garbage wrestling deathmatch connoisseur to want to watch one of these things because they fucking suck. It's just all about the special effects. There wasn't a lot of wrestling in the fucking Funkin' Onita. That would not be considered a classic match by any stretch of the imagination in the ring without all the special effects and the bullshit. Am I right? Is this up with no, Funkin' right. Race or Funkin' Flair or Funkin' Lawler or Funkin' anybody? Funkin' Wagnall. Funkin' Wagnall, yeah. It's a gimmick match. It's like it's like a scaffold, except with even special effects that are even more prone to fucking go awry. You can't have a good one. So it's, it's you know, it, at least with the scaffold, we didn't have to worry about barbed wire and exploding special effects and etc just don't trip they uh, they updated us on the women's tournament thankfully i couldn't have gone a week without knowing what was going on there why aren't the japanese women using that nice apartment they're in a garage an empty garage on these matches they've got a nice apartment we've seen the the japanese joshi apartment house wrestling they've got an apartment they've got a curtain over a fucking door why don't they have the matches in the apartment Instead of the garage here. Just a question I had. Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker. You know what that was? 17 minutes. No, was it? From start to finish, I looked at the at the uh the the time counter. And from the time that I started fast forwarding till the time that I finished fast forwarding was 17 minutes. I invoke the tooth and nail rule and the AEW women's rule, which is I don't give a shit. I ain't watching any of this stuff. What did I miss? I think you actually missed a pretty good match. Well, it's too bad they put Britt Baker in the tooth and nail fucking thing so that I would never watch her again, isn't it? Don't blame her. Blame Booker of the Year. I blame everybody involved in that. 
Everybody involved in that should have been exiled to a desert island. I thought this was pretty good. Uh, Nyla Rose doesn't have Vicky Guerrero for some reason. I thought that was her manager. That was her manager. We haven't seen her since the wedding. I don't know if uh, she was shackled somewhere as well. Uh, it was really, I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was really good. I think it was maybe the best Britt Baker match we've seen on TV. In the Observer Award, she won Most Improved, and I think, <laughs> I actually think she may deserve that. This was really good, I thought. And by the way, all those Observer Awards that I've won in the past are now completely meaningless, because apparently any idiot can win them. I never knew that. Welcome to The Hoops Podcast. This is a podcast about life, which just happens to be centered and focused around the world of professional wrestling. We tackle the topics of the week, both inside and outside of the squared circle, while also focusing on the issues that are plaguing the world today. Whether it's wrestling, sports, life, or anything in general, we've got you covered right here on The Hoots Podcast. And now, here's your host... Josh Lopez. And, and if that doesn't work, then by God. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. That's right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 247 of the Who's Podcast. This is yours truly, the nefarious brother, Adam. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far. It's Thursday. It's March 4th, 2021. We are about a month and, a, a month and seven days away from... WrestleMania 37, nights 1 and 2 from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week, like I said. I apologize for those who are expecting a um, video of the Good Brothers Q&A session this week. But for whatever reason, StreamYard just doesn't want to work with me today. And I, I don't get it, so I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm here to record the show and have some fun with you guys today. So, uh, really quick, for those who enjoy the podcast and ever have any questions for me, all you have to do is send me a question at Josh Lopez Media or at thehootspodcast at gmail.com. But before we get into that, this week in the podcast, we'll be making our predictions and previewing uh, this Sunday's AEW Revolution pay-per-view. Also, we'll have uh, this week's infamous What the Hell is Wrong with AEW segment this week. And um, we're about a couple weeks away from Fastlane, so I'll be going over that card. We're introducing a new segment this week called the NXT UK Report, where in this week in WWE, I'll be touching on my thoughts on NXT UK as well. So this is a little addition to the podcast. Don't forget, at the end of the podcast for Ritual is the weekly editions of the Thoughts of Derrico with the one and only Brother Carter. I want to thank Matt and Tony from the TBD Wrestling Podcast for having us on last week on their show, uh, version 16. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, a really good night, and uh, to spend a couple good brothers, a lot of laughs. So if you guys haven't heard our appearance on that show, please go check that out if you're done listening to this. Uh, if you guys can do a fa- uh, quick favor, please subscribe to the podcast right now. Um, 
It comes to you free of charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Uh, I'm on social media. If you want to hit me up, I'm at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media, uh, pending whenever I get my damn account back from Twitter. And also, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram at Josh Lopez94, at Josh Lopez Music on Instagram. So, um, yeah, like I said, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. But also, if you like what we're doing, if you have any uh, suggestions for the podcast, please leave us a four or five star review slash rating. It really helps expand the reach of the show. I really want to gauge what you guys like or possibly don't like about the podcast and maybe stuff we can improve on. So, um, yeah, just hit me up on uh, Twitter and we can just shoot the shit, you know. Um, thank you guys so much for the support. All right, so we're getting into the Good Bros Q&A session this week. Uh, like I said, uh, you know where to hit me up on, uh, as far as this thing is concerned. Uh, I had a bunch of questions this weekend, a lot of good ones for Ritual, uh, from the Good Brothers who sent questions each week. Like, Chris Saleta, which, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at xteensaleta24x. He says, would you get rid of the money bank briefcase at this point? No, I would not get rid of the money bank briefcase. Is there a way to possibly take the concept and evolve it in a way, sure. But I Money in the Bank is one of the coolest things to come to wrestling in the last 15, 20 years. And I I would just say for the fact that, you know, the element of the Money in the Bank contract being used with no fans over the last year or so as a barometer as to why it's not working, I just think that's unfair. Yeah, did things work out? Was it a mistake to have a Money in the Bank ladder match at the WWE headquarters and it ended up being a food fight and all this stuff leading to Otis winning the match. Sure. But I don't want to take that away from the good of the Mighty Big concept and, you know, when it's done right, it's one of the coolest things in wrestling. I got to see Seth Rollins cash in the Mighty Big contract in person at WrestleMania 31. So uh, I don't think it's time to get rid of the Mighty Big contract. Is there a way to look at it and change the structure and the concept behind it? Sure. Um, which gaming pay you should WWE move away from? Um, I think for me, I'd probably say like Extreme Rules or Hell in the Cell. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this. Like, when you look at the pay-per-view schedule for the WWE over the last couple of decades and stuff like I I thought the, like the shows like Unforgiven and No Mercy and Backlash and Judgment Day fit those particular months that they're on I I don't know exactly why maybe it just fit better with the WWE calendar but uh, you know you get more bang for your buck for how this stuff you had it at a uh, Vengeance or an Armageddon like I said <laughs> Or even a big four show, but you know, I, I made the exception of I'm fine with the money the bank pay per view as it is, is the gimmick pay per view, but like Night of Champions or Clash of Champions or doing TLCs and Extreme Rules and God knows what. I, I just think it takes the fun out of the pay per view schedule, and people are just like monotonous to this point when it comes to uh, WWE these days and people just like to hate watch. But, um, you know, you get more, I guess, anticipation, if you will, for, for not doing as much game pay-per-views. But that's just my opinion. Um, 
Who's the winner of the New Japan Cup? I'm going with uh, Jay White. I think Jay White will win the New J-Pan Cup, <laughs> as he likes to call it. So that's my pick for that. I have a, um, a batch of questions on one topic um, from Chris, uh, Nathan Great, and referee Tony S. Uh, they've all wanted to get my thoughts on the um, title unification that's going on with New Japan World Pro Wrestling, where the IWGP heavyweight title is uh, joining forces with the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, forming the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. It was the concept and idea from Kota Ibushi after he won both titles at uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year. And um, there's been a lot of debates back and forth. Uh, for me, my thoughts on it, it's, it's, I'm on a 50-50 uh, point of view when it comes to this because um, having the namesake of IWTV World Heavyweight title I think is pretty cool. But also at the same time, I can understand for the people that liked the IWGP Intercontinental Championship and it allowed other opportunities for the other performers on the roster. But also, let's not forget, this also brought up the never open weight title, um, which is currently held by Hiroshi Tanahashi. But um, I, I'm, I'm kind of like in a wait and see 50 50 scenario when it comes to this. Like, there's different ways you could have gone about it and crowning the first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion didn't have to be just because you're forging titles together. But uh, I think the only sucky part about this is that you miss out on an opportunity for like guys like Ishii or Shingo or whoever else in the roster is not doing anything or not fighting for titles. You could have them go after that IC title and see where that goes. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. Um, do you think Brock and Bobby... Do you think we'll get Brock versus Bobby Lashley during his title reign? I certainly hope so, but it's not something that I'm going to put my money on. <laughs> We're all on Brock Lesnar's schedule, right? So if Brock wants to do it, he'll show up. Uh, I I think it would be an injustice in pro wrestling history to not have this match, even if it's not for a title. Uh, just to have one Brock Lesnar and um, Bobby Lashley match would be... Um, Really, really good. When you hold off and wait to do Bobby, Drew, and McIntyre as a triple threat match, I mean, even then, like, just do the match. For me, I don't care where it happens. I don't care if it's WrestleMania. I don't care if it's at a SummerSlam. Just do the match. Um, uh, whenever that comes, it'll be worth it, and I'm worth the wait for it. So, yeah, I would hold it off. For me, I'm just at the point, let's have the match. I, like, it would be, uh, I just think it would be really cool. Uh, next question. Uh, last night, I see they really bring uh, William Regal announced that there's going to be a ground break, uh, groundbreaking announcement on next week's NXT. What could it be? Uh, it could be multiple things. It could be the new, uh, spinoff of NXT. It could be an all-women's WWE show. It could be... Announcement of women uh, or uh, an NXT title or NXT presence at WrestleMania. Uh, that could be a scenario as well. Let's not forget, uh, we got Fastlane coming up uh, on 14th, right? So next next week is the go-home show before they make this transition to Peacock. So 
whatever goes down with NXT next week, I just think it's going to be pretty interesting, and I'm really curious to see how it plays out. I really am. Um, next question. I don't think the Hurt Business needs a fit member, but what if they were looking to add one more person? Who would who would you rather it be, Keith Lee, or maybe Moose with this contract being up with Impact in June? Well, by the way, I, I may be the only like wrestling media member who doesn't know when contracts go up because like I really don't care about this stuff. I really care more about what you do in the ring and stuff like that. I like the ancillary stuff of booking and contracts. Like it's cool to scuttlebutt about who's showing up here and there, but I'm not gonna come out here and pretend like I'm some insider and I'm not I'm not the Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport of pro wrestling. Like that's not why I do this stuff. So uh, it's hard for me to speculate that from that point of view. Uh, as far as if the Hurt Business needs a fifth member, I don't think so. Um, I like the group as it is. It's, in my opinion, it's the best group in wrestling right now, uh, from the U.S. side at least. And I just like the concept. I love the group. Uh, you know, I'll get to my thoughts later on with Bobby Lashley becoming the WWE champion. But uh, it's just, it's just really cool. Business is booming. I'm a big fan of her business, and um, I don't think they necessarily need a fifth member, but. Um, yeah, I would love to see Moose in WWE one day. I think that'd be pretty cool. All right. Next questions are coming from uh, Patrick Fritz, our good brother as well. Uh, make sure you hit him on Twitter at RatedPWF on Twitter. Uh, Pat, one of the longtime OGs of the Hoots podcast. <laughs> uh, scroll up here. I sent this out on Tuesday. So here we go. Now that the Almighty has ascended to his rightful place as the champion, how long do we see him stay there? Is Hurt Business a top five faction of all time? Side note, I love just one interaction between Lashley and Roman. It won't happen, but I would love it. Yeah, I, I think that would be really cool, Pat, uh, if Roman and uh, Lashley had a match or something like that at Survivor Series. Um, honestly, I don't know. And I'm kind of intrigued about that because, you know, you can say it's uh, in due respect for Bobby to have a long time reign for his pedigree and what he's been doing recently. You know, you have the little hanging fruit, and um, realistically, maybe this is a couple month thing and Max Hire gets back at WrestleMania. I have no idea. For me, I just wanted it to play out more importantly, Pat, but um, if it was up to me, I'd probably say maybe six or seven months. I don't, I don't see Lashley carrying the title for a year or anything like that. And there's just other factors you got to uh, think about with this. Is, uh, also, the implement of fans coming back and what's being receptive on that end. Is the Hurt Business a hot group? If, a, if there wasn't a pandemic, we have no idea, you know. And there's only so much you can gauge on Twitter because Twitter is such a fickle, morose place of interaction and dialogue so it's really hard to find any substance on what's over and what's not so I, I think I just think when it comes to Lashley holding time I think it's fluid and I just try to see it play out and guess it but as far as your other question about the Hurt Business being a top five faction of all time um I think they could get there one day, uh, just depending on where they evolve and how long it goes. But 
I definitely say they're in the top five factions of wrestling today. That's for sure. But um, thanks for the question, Pat. I really like that one. All right. Our last batch of questions this week is coming from the good brother, Nate the Great. We got a lot of them from Nate uh, this week. On, um, <laughs> he sent me uh, a good batch of them. So here we go. What is your favorite junior division match of all time? Oh, man. I'd probably say any of the ones with uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Will Ospreay because those matches are absolutely insane. Um, there was a uh, Best of the Super Juniors match with Shingo and Will Ospreay, which was absolutely insane. Um, I love the match with Hiromu and El Desperado uh, at the end of the, um, what was it, the uh, Super uh, Best of the Super Juniors tournament. I thought that was amazing. Uh, those are the ones that really stand out the most to me. What do you like the most about living in Chicago? The food, the waterfall, um, <laughs> uh, just the atmosphere of the city. Uh, more importantly, I for me, I, I'm I'm from Chicago. I'm not from like Rockford or Morton Grove or Joliet or. Um, Lockport, like CM Punk is like I'm from Chicago, Chicago. I'm born and bred in the west side of the city, in the city, in the trenches, in the hood, in the rough areas of the city, not the suburbs where it's all nicey and prancy and shit. Um, you know, I I love what the city represents, but uh, there's also stuff about the city that I don't like. Um, and there's just how a lot of people like to act tough, and then there's people that are fake tough, too. Yeah, but we also get that with any city. <laughs> um, what I like most about the city is that um, it shaped me to who I am as a person. And I'm proud to say that I'm born from Chicago, that I'm from Chicago. I'll wear Chicago uh, in my heart and my sleeve for the rest of my life. And that that, that that's the thing that stands out the most to me as far as uh, Chicago is concerned. Do you see Ellen Knight being a future NXT champion, or will he be a big Carter like Priest? Well, I think with LA Knight, I I mentioned this last week. I think LA Knight's gonna be a great addition for the NXT brand because just the way he carries himself as a performer is very different from what you get as uh, from your modern day pro wrestler and. Uh, he said it last night in his promo. It's like a, a last of a dying breed thing. And I really like... Um, I really like LA Knight. I've always been a fan of Eli Drake when he was with the NWA, when he was with Impact. Uh, you, you heard a little bit of that in his promo last night. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's just going to be another EC3. But let's let's... Let's let it play out. I don't think every superstar's trajectory is always the same as other people just because they were in the same company. Um, I just think talent supersedes perceptions or narratives. And he, uh, LA Knight is writing his own story and he's doing it on his own terms. And um, I think he could be a good player for the NXT brand. And I mentioned it last week, you know, NXT as a brand needs to evolve from. You know, this is the show where, oh, we finally get a Ring of Honor style of pro star matches. Now you have to have different characters and a reason to care for the other people on the show. Because 
you know, having your storylines be built through wrestling matches can only take you so far. Um, <laughs> I mean, it works for New Japan because that's their identity, but it's it's just different when it comes to NXT, in my opinion. So, um, I, I think he could be a future NXT champion. It just depends on who's the champion at the time and... Uh, what what's the parameters of NXT as far as the roster is concerned? Uh, next question: Where does Miz go from here? I don't think he'll be in the title picture uh, in the coming months. Um, I don't think the Miz will be going for the WWE title at WrestleMania unless there's some like fatal four way or fatal five way thing with Bobby Lashley. But uh, for me, I think that um, when it comes to the Miz, I think uh, you could possibly see him. Uh, beat Matt Riddle for the U.S. title or something like that at WrestleMania or maybe The Miz has a match with John Morrison as a grudge match or something like that. Yeah, keep your eyes open on that. Uh, there's there's a lot of things you can do with The Miz. Um, or we'll finally get that tag match with The Miz and Morrison and against Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. So we gotta see what happens. Next question from Nate. He says, who should Randy Orange retirement match be against? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a good one. Man. You got to think about it. Like, it has to be like somebody that carries his essence, his like aura, his... Do you say Austin Theory? Would I get crap from saying that? Austin Theory, maybe? Because he kind of has some similar characteristics to uh, Rain Gordon. Uh, do you say it's Carrying Cross or Killer Cross, as I like to call him? God, I, I have no idea. It could be anybody, to be honest with you. Hell, it could be Damian Priest. It could be anybody. Um, that, that's a really good question. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> that, uh, who would you guys like to see as uh, Randy Orton's last opponent? Like, who who should be the person that lays out the Viper for good? Uh, next question. Do you think Champa will win another championship in his career? I think he, there's a chance for him and Thatcher to become the tag team champions. Uh, with um, NXT, I can see that possibly happening down the road. As far as him... Uh, uh, it, it's it's tricky with Champ because I think he's one of the guys that said that he would rather quit than uh, go to Raw and SmackDown. And I just think that's a short sighted way to look at things. Like, yeah, I get offensive management, blah, 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 blah. But um, I, I like to think that Gargano and Champ's town would supersede them going to Raw and SmackDown. And. I mentioned that on TVD last week. We were like, we need to stop with this whole dialect of, oh, so-and-so is going to do this and this on the main roster. And season third brand. Let's stop with this. Oh, they're being promoted or demoted by going to the main roster. Like, NXT is a third brand. It's on the same level as Raw SmackDown. It's not, it's not developmental. What advice would you give someone who isn't happy with where they are at their life? Um... I think for me, uh, for me, the advice I would give is, you know, there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of things that I could probably understand to a certain extent why they have a glass half empty approach. But for people that have a good life and they're raised right and yada yada, but they're just like, 
overly negative all the time and overly cynical and just like there's nothing <laughs> it's like it's not even glass half that thing it's just like the glass is like piling dust like that's how negative the person is then you really need to look in the mirror and ask yourself if you want to be remembered as a morose just freaking imbecile because this life is too short man nothing in life is guaranteed uh, tomorrow's not guaranteed, and for uh, for a lot of people, I think a lot of us are allowing what's happening going on in our society to cloud our vision and our thoughts. I I mention this every single week that we're not thinking for ourselves. We're allowing too many people and outside forces to form our thoughts and things, and I think that's uh, a root of an issue there and a root of why uh, common dialogue is just not a thing in society anymore. Hell, people can't barely uh, have uh, interaction with people without getting butthurt if they don't text all the time. Like, for me, I'm a person that, if you want to get into contact with me, let's talk. Like, you know, we get into these conversations about texting and this and that. Like, for me, I'd rather have face-to-face conversation or actual phone call where we're being up front with each other without, you know, sending us text messages and misinterpreting what the other person said. If you can't have a conversation with somebody on the phone or in person, then what's the point of interacting with them? You know. Um, so for as far as people who are like who are, aren't happy, depending on your situation, it, it's really simple. What are you going to do about it? Are you in the business of solving your issues or have, dwelling and blaming other people? Are you in the business of healing? Because obviously you're not healed if you're negative and cynical for a reason, right? You know, I'm a person that deals with depression. I have I have days where I don't like myself. I have days where I feel like I'm worthless and stuff like that. But for me, I look at uh, everything with a chance of, okay, if I'm dealing with this, what can I do about it to make myself better and learn from it? Because if you're not learning something new every day, then what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're wasting God's time. And I think that it's just really hard to go through life and, you know, be like, well, I know this is going to happen. So there goes that. Uh, I I know know that (laughs) something bad is going to happen. Be a step ahead of that. Be a step ahead of that thinking. Be a step ahead of people who doubt you. Be a step ahead of obstacles that come your way. Understanding the concept of adapting to things that are out of your control. Think about that for a while. So, take a quick swig of water right there. Um, what do you think Impact should do to get noticed by fans and more publicity? Not necessarily from viewers. Last time this happened, Sammy hit Eddie with a bat. Well, um, when it comes to Impact, I don't think what they're doing right now is doing them any favors. I mean, yeah, you're getting initial buzz off of dirt cheat fans and message board twats, but, <laughs> you know, again, when you're having Impact and AEW and all these companies work with each other, Yes, that's do fantasy booking, but is it really doing anything for business? 
you know, people lash out at WWE because they put more of an emphasis on their style of wrestling. They're uh, they're putting making money over uh, having five star wrestling matches all the time. But at the end of the day, the premise of pro wrestling, from the people I've talked to and what I've learned over the years, is about what you're doing for your company to make money at the end of the day. At the end of the day, for better or for worse, it's a business. And, you know, <laughs> everybody's marking out for this AW Impact relationship in the forbidden door and I'm still seeing the same shit that I've seen before these two are interacting with each other. Nothing has changed. We can all buy into the hysteria of, oh my god, we're gonna finally have the style of wrestling we've always wanted and have these companies work together and bring down the evil Vince McMahon. But nothing is changing when you still have promotions that have no identity. And I don't care who gets offended by that, but that's just the truth. I cover 14 different wrestling shows a week. And you can separate the good ones from the bad ones. The good ones have an identity and the, the bad ones don't. And that's just is what it is. What's the skill you wish you were better at in life? Ah, that's a great question. Um, Probably like speaking different languages. Like I, I, I got a little bit of a grasp of... Japanese, obviously, with uh, covering New Japan a lot, but for me, I, I just look at it like, for me, I want to um, do better at speaking Spanish. You know, I'm half Puerto Rican, I can't speak a lick of Spanish to save my life. Um, I don't know. I wish I had the ability to drive. Um, I just don't think, uh, internally, for me, I think I can handle driving, just that pressure and the burden of hurting somebody while driving or me getting hurt. Like, it's just, I explain to you guys why I'm like nervous as far as driving is concerned. But, um, yeah, stuff like that. Nothing too major. I mean, I've been very fortunate and blessed with the, the gifts that God gave me as far as like having a good memory and playing guitar and, you know, doing stuff like this. <laughs> um, I've been very lucky. Very, very lucky. Um, but there's always things you can work on and improve on, right? Um, you know, being a handyman or um, God knows what. <laughs> uh, be a better drop, probably, <laughs> to do tattoos at the tattoo shop, maybe, I guess. But um, I'd probably say more on the of learning different languages and stuff so I could be um, just more in tune and inclined in that line of work. So... Yeah, that'd be my answer for that question. Do you like there being two periods between the Rumble and Mania? I think it's excessive. Um, I don't necessarily think that they needed to have Fastlane um, towards this world of WrestleMania, but I understand with it being the transition date of the network going to Peacock. So for that, I give that a pass, and it really doesn't bother me that much. But do I think that there needs to be two interviews before WrestleMania every year? No, I don't think so. Who's someone you wish you would be more prominently featured on a weekly basis? Any wrestling show? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let's go down the road call, shall we? Uh, let's start off with WWE. Uh, definitely would like to see more Aleister Black on my TV. Um, love to see more 
Liv Morgan on my TV. Love to see more. Um, let's see. Buddy Murphy on my TV. Um, AEW. No comment. Um, <laughs> uh, Impact. I love to see more uh, Josh Alexander on the show. Um, like to see a lot more of what was her name? Um, I love to see more Nevaeh on the show as well. I, I just like her a lot. Um, I think it's a little bit too much of Neil Dashwood recently. That's just my opinion. Don't disrespect her. Uh, obviously, she has good waterfall and all that, but I, I don't know. I've seen a little too much of her every single week. Um, New Japan, that's hard to say, obviously, because of the pandemic, but. Um, I don't know, man. I'd see, like, Gabriel Kidd uh, step out of the Young Lions. I, I think that'd be pretty cool, right? Uh, that That's pretty much the ones that come off the top of my head. Um, ooh, I like this one. What are your three favorite Lucha Underground matches of all time? Man, that's a good one. Uh, Mil Muertes versus Phoenix. Grave Consequences. I forgot which season this was, but that was one of the coolest matches I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, <laughs> I really think I was able to, like, really appreciate and get better at covering multi-person matches with covering Lucha Underground, with the fact they would have these unique opportunity matches where it's, like, five or six different people in the ring, and it's fucking beating the shit out of each other in the whole uh, temple, and, like, mama me, these people are going through walls, and they're destroying the place. Um, one of my favorite matches was um, Dante Fox and Killshot, a.k.a. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. That was another one that stand out to me. And then um, Prince Pumba and uh, Johnny Bundo, their last match they had, on uh, Ultima Lucha before um, Prince Puma went to WWE. So those are the ones that stand out to me. Um, <laughs> the last time Jack Swagger was interesting was in Lucha Underground, but nobody brings that up. But, um, yeah, I, I miss Lucha Underground. That was really the alternative wrestling show that was out there, and I, I loved covering that show. I loved having a working relationship with them as well when I was doing my old radio show back in the day. But, um uh, yeah, those are the ones that stand out the most to me. And then, of course, you can't go wrong with uh, Pentagon Dark and uh, Vampiro. They're, they're uh, crazy hardcore matches. That was really cool as well. Uh, next question. In a world of what is, do you think if Jeff Cobb would have been more successful, uh, successful if he signed with NXT or AEW over New Japan? I don't know about AEW because, again, um... There's only so much leeway you can have at AEW when you have Chris Jericho and the EVPs in the way, and their show, their TV show, feels like a flea market wrestling show. And I mean, is Brian Cage over? Is Lance Archer over? I mean, <laughs> all these guys uh, that have crossed over for New Japan and WWE really have not made a difference since joining AEW. They really haven't. Um, I know 
combat that what match with John Moxley, but that was what it was. Um, I could see him possibly do some good stuff with NXT if he was like Matanza. I think that'd been really cool, but. I think right now Jeff Cobb is in the place he should be right now, and he's doing some good stuff in New Japan. I'm not the biggest fan of the United Empire faction, but um, Jeff Cobb's doing some good stuff. And by the way, he defeated Satoshi Kojima today uh, during the uh, New Japan Cup um, uh, first round matchups at the 49th anniversary show. So that was a pretty good match. All right. Which mid-card division do you think is the strongest? Ooh. I think right now it's the... It's either between the X division uh, for Impact or the... Um, fun, that's a great question. Uh, North American title division, NXT is pretty good too. Obviously, the low-hanging fruit is saying the NXT women's division, but... Um, you know, I, I I love to see what they can do for the United States title division now that Matt Rose is a champion. I mean, you can look at uh, Kofi Kingston and Ali and The Miz and Morrison and Keith Lee and Damian Priest. Like, they put, they put there's a good chance that they put some spotlight back onto that. So, uh, I want to say sleep. I want to sleep on the U.S. title for um, um, as far as one of the top tier divisions. But those are my answers for those ones. I uh, appreciate it, Nate. Thank you so much for sending the questions as always. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you guys so much for sending your questions this week for this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q&A session. If you ever want to send me a question, all you have to do is send me a question at Josh Lopez Media or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll get into this week in WWE plus the NXT UK report right here. On the Hoots Podcast. Congratulations to the victorious Street Profits. And now please welcome a guest who was the victorious one in the Elimination Chamber match, Daniel Bryan. Hello. Hello. Daniel, tonight you have the opportunity to earn another Universal Championship match and even play WrestleMania spoiler. Is there a chance of you facing Edge as champion at WrestleMania? You know, that's still a long ways away. I still have to beat Jey Uso tonight. I'd have to beat Roman Reigns at Fastlane. But I think my chances are pretty damn good. In fact, I think my chances of beating Roman Reigns are better than Edge's chances of beating Roman. Now, I have an infinite amount of respect for Edge. I mean, what he did to get to his comeback. Beating Randy Orton at WrestleMania last year. Winning this year's Royal Rumble. But to be fair, he's taken a lot of time off. Might be a little rusty. And I've always, I've always, always, always been honest with Edge, but I don't know if he has what it takes to beat Roman. Edge is a Hall of Famer, but there's just... Heard what you said. So you don't think I can beat Roman? But if you beat Jey Uso tonight, you can easily beat Roman at uh, Fastlane. I didn't say easily. All right, in all seriousness, though, if that were to happen, that means I'd face you at WrestleMania, so you humor me, who... Uh, who wins that match? Hmm. I think I'll keep that answer to myself. But hey, as fun as it is to talk about the possibilities, it doesn't mean anything if I don't beat Jey Uso tonight. See you later. See you. Look at you, huh? He's complete now. 
A lot of naysayers, a lot of disbelievers, but the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is you believe in you. And now nobody, nobody can ever take this from you. No one can ever take this moment from you. This is yours forever and ever because ain't nobody here going to take that from you. Look what we got. Look at this. Look at this. You done it all, baby. Man. He's <laughs> efficient. What a difference a gear makes, huh? <laughs> Man, I, I can't even express how proud I am of all of you. But you, you're the chief hurt officer. Rarely am I at a loss for words, but this is one of those moments where words just won't do, man. Hey, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I've been in a great group before, and I've been in this position before. But this, this, this is special. Take this title home to your kids, to your family, this is your legacy. You're the man, you're Bobby Lashley, the cheat her officer of the hurt business, unstoppable, unbreakable. Unbeatable. Unbeatable. Indestructible. Bobby Lashley. I love you guys, man. Is... Drinks on Bobby, right? Drinks on I mean, Bobby. Drinks on Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's no, got, no, he's no, got, no, he's no, got no, no, no. Tonight, tonight we, we breaking out the 30-year-old Japanese whiskey. Uh -oh. Ooh. Yeah. You know that's five grand a bottle, right? You got it, champ. You, you got, got it. it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. That's how we do it. It's too big. Everything's good. We are the heart business. Woo! Back here in the Hoops Podcast, we're going to talk about what happened this week in WWE. First off, let's send a big round of applause and congratulations to Bobby Lashley for becoming the brand new WWE champion. Uh, Raw went through a TV thread this week of trying to let people know that at this time this match is going to happen and, you know, just to... Uh, Troll people and play TV tricks. Uh, miss trying to come up with every excuse known to man to weasel his way out of a WWE title match with Bobby Lashley. He had stomach cramps. He ran away like Usain Bolt. <laughs> he uh, did a lot of things to try to get his way out of the match. Shane McMahon uh, nullified that attack and made it a lumberjack match. And we saw Bobby Lashley fulfill his prophecy he is now your wwe champion the hurt business is draping in gold and like i mentioned earlier in the podcast business is booming pal it really is and i really like the hurt business and i could be happy for them i joined raw for the most part this week more than i did smackdown uh, as far as you want to get my thoughts on my uh comparisons for both shows uh, a couple of things stood out here and there. Uh, we found out that Sasha Banks will indeed defend her SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. And I think that's a really cool announcement. And um, this will be a very special moment for both ladies. Uh, and the pressure's on them now to deliver. When you have an anticipated match like this at a WrestleMania, it's on you to deliver. And I have no doubt that they'll do it in the ring. And um, it's just... A lot of these dynamics are just different now in this COVID era of pro wrestling where, yeah, you, you can expect great matches with great moves and great sequences, but it's really hard to gauge that on crowd response because uh, nobody's there. There will be a crowd, though, and we'll see. We'll see if people sit on their hands during a Bianca Belair match. 
We'll see if the buzz that Sasha Banks created in 2020 will reciprocate and come through with fans coming back in. That That's just stuff that you never know. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are hate-watching Drew McIntyre right now, and I'd be curious to see what Drew responses would have been from the crowd if he had if there was no pandemic going on. So there's, there's a lot of things uh, to go into it. It said it's looking on things on paper. But um, I think Sasha and Bianca will step up into the plate and they'll deliver no matter where they're on the card. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. What I'm not excited for is Dan Bryan continue to sip his nose through this freaking top pitcher and I'm having flashbacks to the 2015 and stuff like that. And, again, I want to make this clear. I have no issues with Dan Bryan, the person or a performer. I'm a fan of his. But, for me, I just have a mental fatigue of seeing Dan Bryan going after the WWE title during every WrestleMania season or people trying to come up with ways to make a, a title match that's already determined via the World Rumble and, and switch it to a triple threat match. We do this Every single fucking year, no matter who wins the Rumble, I I saw stuff with like Seth Rollins. Oh, they're gonna do a true threat match with him and Brock and so and so, or this uh, other examples. We had a triple threat with the the ladies for their main event at WrestleMania and stuff like that. It's like if you're the winner of the World Rumble, you fight somebody. You know what made. That special with Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels and Triple H at WrestleMania 20 because it wasn't overdone. And Triple H and Shawn Michaels had a story where them two were stuck to each other no matter what they were doing. And Chris Benoit, the winner, benefited off of that. You can't tell that story every single year. You can't replicate what Dan Bryan did at WrestleMania 30. It was seven years ago. Again, all due respect, but I cannot buy that Daniel Bryan is just going to run through the Tribal Chief and is going to find a way to fight Edge at WrestleMania. I don't. I don't buy it for one second. It's not the underdog story. It's just I just don't see it. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry for the Daniel Bryan lovers out there. He's not the one to dethrone the Tribal Chief, okay? He's just not. I have a fatigue, and I'm tired of seeing Daniel Bryan going for titles every WrestleMania season. It's it's game overboard, and people try to pencil him into triple threat matches. Just let the people who won the fucking Rumble match fight the people they're supposed to fight at WrestleMania, for the love of God. Um, What else? You know, I want to see a little bit more from Seth Rollins to see where they're going with this Embrace Division thing. Um, I would think, speaking of Dan Bryan, that him and Seth Rollins would be the perfect feud for WrestleMania, but it may look like with Cesaro's momentum that Seth Rollins might fight Cesaro at WrestleMania. And that wouldn't be a bad idea either, but uh, they could also come up with the same vibe that they have the match with Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens at last year's WrestleMania. So we'll see what happens there. I'm very curious to see what happens with my guy KO. I really don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, is he going to go back to a heel? Is he going to fight Big E for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania? I have no idea. I got to tell you, man, there looks like there could be a possibility of one of these mid-card title matches at WrestleMania being the ladder match. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure which one it's going to be. 
But I can see either the U.S. title or the IC title being put on the line in a um, uh, ladder match. Speaking of good matches, Drew McIntyre and Shane beat the ever-loving shit out of each other, and I loved each and every single second of it. If you guys have not watched Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, go watch it now. You want to talk about barn burners and match, uh, TV matches of the year and stuff like that. It's up there in the list for me right now. Um, I, I love that match. Anybody that says that Drew McIntyre can't work it just have blind hate towards the dude. He's fucking awesome. So uh, I really, really, really enjoyed that match with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Um, and... That was pretty much it. I mean, the biggest news coming out for Raw SmackDown this week, obviously, was the fact that Bobby Lashley um, is your new WWE champion and could have come to a more deserving person. Um, I, I was a little caught off guard with the stuff of Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss stuff where we saw a double of Randy Orton this week. And, um, yeah, it looks like Randy Orton's going to fight the Fiend at WrestleMania. And we'll, they'll finish their story off there. So we'll see what happens. Honestly, I would not be surprised if Orton challenges Alexa Bliss to a match at Fastlane. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, and then, for this last part, for the uh, segment this week, uh, I wanted to give you guys the debut of the NXT UK Report. First off, please go check out this show. I think this is going to be a good implementation for our podcast going forward during this segment with the fact that our show pops up before NXT, the newest episode of NXT UK, pops up on the WWE Network. So I'm going to let you guys know my thoughts on the cursive events of NXT UK every single week and let you guys uh, know about what's coming up next. So from last week, we started off um, with a... Matched with a unique stipulation, it was Xia Brookside and Nina Samuels, and the winner of the match had to be the person's personal assistant and bag carrier for a month, and Xia Brookside uh, defeated Nina Samuels in a pretty good match to start off the show. Uh, really enjoyed that. Um, we also saw in the main event, Gallus against Pretty Deadly. We have new NXT UK Tag Team Champions as Pretty Deadly put down um, the team of Gallus. Uh, Pretty Deadly are your new tag team champions. I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, did not appreciate that Pretty Deadly made like fucking 90 in and out tags uh, from the transcription point of view, but I get it. Uh, the NXT UK branch is a lot of fun to cover. Um, you know, I love the vignettes they do with like Trent Seven and stuff like that. I thought that was very entertaining. Um, Really cool to see my favorite NXT UK female wrestler, uh, Aoife Valkyrie, on the show. Uh, she's she got a bright future ahead of her. And then uh, I wanted to mention really quick: uh, we got Kaylee Ray against Miko Satamora today for the NXT UK Women's Championship. I'm really really excited for that match, and I think that's going to be absolutely insane, insane match. So. <laughs> Really looking forward to that. Uh, by the way, I mentioned it earlier uh, with the New Japan Cup. Um, I, I said that JY is going to be the winner. I'm sticking to that. But uh, back to this NXT UK thing. Um, really curious to see what's going to go down with uh, Walter. Uh, who's going to be next for his NXT UK championship. 
Uh, what's next for um, Flash Morgan Wester and Mark Andrews as they're finishing up their feud with the Hunt? Um, Rampage Brown just had a big victory over Joe Coffey. I know Noam Dar is on the horizon coming back soon. I believe he's actually having... Um, I think Noam Dar is having Tyler Bate on the Supernova Sessions today. I could be wrong about that, but that's a funny segment too, by the way. <laughs> uh, the uh, Shout-out to Andy Shepard and Nigel McGinnis who do an amazing job on commentary. Each and every single week on XUK is the best uh, commentary team that WWE has, in my opinion. And a shout-out to the referee crew as well. Always got to give the love to the Zebras, pal. So <laughs> That, ladies and gentlemen, is my debut edition of the NXT UK Report. As always, make sure to check out NXT UK every single Thursday on the WWE Network at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which makes it 2 in the Central. If you live anywhere else, figure it out for yourself. All right, folks. It's time. It's time for what everybody's been waiting for. It's our main event segment of the week, pal. It's known as... What the hell is wrong with AEW? And we're going to start off with Brett Carter in a 3 Two, one. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? I I can't even begin. I don't even know where to begin this week. Another hyped, overhyped show that's supposed to be a crossroads, but ended up being just a giant pile of crap. It was another awful, awful show this week. Let's break it down. Why the hell are the Nightmare family, who are faces, taking cheap shots on Shaq? Like Austin Gunn hit Shaq in the back with the chair, but they're supposed to be the faces. And then they all tried to jump him and beat him down like... Why are the baby faces fighting like heels? It makes no sense. That match was average as bad. Average at best, I would say. I will say, uh, I give Shaq credit. I think Shaq actually did a good job. And I will give credit where credit is due. Shaq actually did a good job. And he took a pretty cool table bump. I will give him credit for that. I actually like that table bump. So that was good. That I enjoyed that. And he actually looked okay in the ring. So, and he's you know, he's... He is a NBA, a retired NBA star who did a fine job. So props to Shaq for that. But Jade Cargill, who has been just hyped hardcore over these last few months, was mediocre at best, and Red Velvet was less than that. So this overhyped tag match did not live up to the hype at all. Shocking. As usual, the inner circle crap was absolute awful. Was absolutely awful. It was horrible. It was painfully horrendous to watch. I didn't care. It didn't further the feud. You know, we got a cheap pop for Eric Bischoff. Fine. Um, I will say the Young Bucks line um, with the Performance Center with Jericho, I actually didn't mind that. I thought that was kind of funny. But overall, the segment was ridiculous. The inner circle is ridiculous. MJF's career is being wasted being with the inner circle. I, I just, I can't stand it. AEW wants to be everything except their own brand. That is ridiculous. All they do is rely on nostalgia 
or former WWE talent to get to get a pop. That's it. They don't care about building their own stars at all. Their own homegrown stars have been paired with nostalgia acts or former WWE talent. They don't care about book building their own talent. Like they're trying to do something with Darby Allen. His, I mean, and booking them with Sting. Yeah. Jungle Boy Jack Perry is just kind of being wasted, being in Luchasaurus. He's not getting any er, with uh, with the Jungle Express and Luchasaurus. He's not getting a chance to be out on his own. Um, Sammy Garbar has been thrown off of television. MJF is getting is going downhill with the Inner Circle. It's horrible. And how do you know this? They brought back Eric Bischoff, JJ Dillon. They're focusing hard on Sting. Uh, Tully Blanchard wrestled. Like, they're just doing nostalgia acts. They don't care about building their own company. They want to be just a nostalgia act. They want to be everything except their own company so bad. It's ridiculous. Paul White makes his AEW debut. And what's the first thing that he does? He subconsciously and subliminally takes a shot at WWE. His shirt says, no more BS. BS, of course, is for Big Show. Like, again... Ex-WWE stars, what do they do when they come to AEW? The first thing they do is take a shot at their former employer because that's the quote-unquote cool thing to do. They have no respect for the people that made them superstars. They're just trying to be cool and cater to the stupid-ass, ridiculous, freaking internet wrestling marks that care about nostalgic pops and not about putting on a good product. I'm convinced... That AEW fans only like AEW because it's not WWE. If AEW was the best, was the top-rated wrestling promotion, and WWE was number two, people would love WWE and hate AEW. They automatically hate the people on top because it's a cool thing to do, not because of their freaking product. And it's complete BS, and it's destroying the wrestling business. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Sick of it. The only reason I watch this program is to do this segment on the Hoots podcast. I hate All Elite Wrestling. We basically get the same segment from Sting and Team Taz that we've gotten for the last month. Why the hell should I care about this match at all? Sting comes out, starts to talk, gets interrupted, and then they beat him down. That's the same thing they've done for the last month. It's, it's, I have no reason to care about this feud at all. The acclaimed suck, and, there's, and of course the show ends with a giant brawl, because what would be an AEW show without some giant backstage, front stage, whatever brawl that's completely overused. All Elite Wrestling sucks. It is by far the worst mainstream wrestling promotion on the planet. And within five and within five years, it is going to reduce all credibility of the wrestling industry and create it into just some god-awful parody show that will be an embarrassment to watch. Seriously. What the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Thank you, Brother Carter, very much for your submission this week. It's always good, Brother. I appreciate it. I'm at my wit's end with this fucking macho fest. I, I really am. So, let's let's break this down a little bit. 
for the the unlightened people out there. We were told in January 2019 that this company was going to change the world, going to change the face of wrestling, and change how we view wrestling, right? going to change the emphasis on women's wrestling, change the emphasis on tag team wrestling, and taking it seriously, and etc. We're not going to do sports entertainment. It's going to be the pro wrestling show. We're going to change the world. That was the whole pitch of AEW that were still a bill of goods in Jacksonville in 2019. Here we are. It's March 3rd, 2021. Your main event of your go-home show to Revolution was Hangman Page and John Silver against Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn to build up a match that's probably going to be in the middle of the card on Revolution. On the same program, you have a press conference with the wrestling media to hype up Chris Jericho and NGF against the Young Bucks, where last week the Young Bucks' father got their ass kicked but out comes Balding and Pie Face Bucks come down to the ring to cut a promo about how great they are and had to throw shots at Jericho and MGF and their wittiest, clever fucking line of, oh my god, Chris, if you were, if there's no AWB crud, uh, jerking the curtain at the Performance Center, I am at my, like, I'm at my, It's one thing to put on a shitty show every single week. It's another thing to waste fucking time. You had two hours last night and a countdown show to sell people on your Revolution pay-per-view. The same pay-per-view that I heard JR drop the entire show. But man, I've never seen a car with so much variety before. What? Are you kidding me? Because we have a goddamn mud show ladder match, a casino battle royal, and a goddamn barbed death match. That's variety for you? It's stupid. Just like everything that's surrounded in that goddamn company. Let me get this right. So... We have Shaq and Jay Cargill against Red Velvet and Cody Rhodes. That's the big match. But that's not the main event. Because we're still stuck in this supposed Wednesday Night Wars. So we need to give our biggest attraction for our show that week right off the bat. After that match was over, the show went downhill. Boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. We had a nice break right there with Nyla Rose and Rio Mizunami. Uh, try to be fair here, guys, and tell you what I did like on the show. So, so you guys don't jump on me. I did like that match. Toss as a sign. Pac and Phoenix had a random match against two guys from AEW Dark. Why? By the way, Phoenix and Pac are not currently advertised to be on Revolution. Neither is Eddie Kingston, by the way. Also, we saw the debut of the Big Show. And this t-shirt that says, No More BS. Which I, I find very ironic because every time I watch a show from All Elite Wrestling, 
Those two letters BS ring through my brain threshold. Where's the bullshit announced team? Where's the bullshit commentary, uh, the bullshit referee crew? The bullshit tag team match layouts? Yeah, the old school wrestling fan of me enjoys seeing J.J. Dillon out there and Tully Blanchard. Fine, whatever. But the fact that you have that guy bumping and feeding for Marco Stunt is a goddamn embarrassment to the sport. It is. So, here we are. We're a couple days off for Revolution. I still haven't been convinced to watch this show. And here comes the big show. Oh my god, it's the big show. He's got no more BS t-shirt. And... I look at the shirt and I'm like, okay, that's what you want to go with? Because WWE lives so much rent free down those damn schmucks in Jacksonville that everything that they do, the best thing AEW's got for them is pot shots at WWE. And it's not their own creative pot shots because everything from AEW comes with Dave Meltzer and Brianna Alvarez. Tell me one good reason why anybody should pay for this goddamn pay-per-view. Give me one reason. I'm waiting. Is it too much to ask a company to live up to what the moniker of their company is? When you call yourself All Elite, yet the content you produce is very... Below is is barely above below average, or okay, man. A direct directionless company, a TV show that overstays is welcome with their matches on TV. The commentary sucks each and every single week. I mean, somebody must have listened to the show last week and heard our segment. So guess what was their response? More Shivani. More Shivani. That's what we need, folks. More Tony Shivani. And this goes out to the Forbidden Door out there. If you want to license and approve t-shirts that says no more BS and want to take hot shots at WWE, I advise you look in the fucking mirror before you throw arrows because the fact of the matter that you decide to hype up the fact that this main event of John Moxley and Kenny Olivier or Lenny Oshmega is the exploding barbed wire death match. What you do to hype it on your go-home show? Oh, you give a fucking random video package about death matches from the mid-90s with a random death match wrestler. Which something you could have done three or four weeks ago. Nothing from Moxley. Nothing from Olivier. Oh, we gotta wait for this special countdown special. I'm so sick and tired of the fucking glad-handing in AW. You want to get my thoughts on the whole thing with Shaq and everything with that? I thought the match was fine. The match layout was what it needs to be. I, I was impressed by Jay Cardgill, and I thought she did a good job. I thought Red Velvet had a lot of fire, and I thought she did a, a really good job. I was even impressed by Shaq. Like, I'm really trying to find things to balance out when I come in here and talk about about this fucking show in the 7th every week. But it's getting harder as the weeks go by. It really is. 
So we do this big running cross-body block through two tables on the floor. Shaq's getting wheeled out on a stretcher, going on the gurney. And then we come back for a uh, commercial break, and the dude is gone. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? We're faking an injury ankle. A picture of that happened on Monday Night Raw, by the way, with a celebrity. Think about that. I cannot suspend my disbelief with this promotion. And that's a problem. I see through everything that goes through AEW. And you could throw it right back in my face saying, oh, we can see through everything with WWE. But here's the difference. They have an identity. The only problem is you just don't like their style of wrestling. That's it. I watch their show, and it's the same thing I can see from Ring of Honor, the same thing I can see from Ring of uh, from New Japan, the same thing I can see from MLW, the same thing I can see from the returning NWA. By the way, it's great to see that the NWA is coming back. Uh, make sure to check out Back to Attack on March, what was it, 15th? Yeah, that, that's going to be a lot of fun to jot down. Anyways, my point is... I see through everything with this show. I can't buy and invest into anything that they sell to me because it's all predicated on bullshit, which is so funny for the fact that their t-shirt idea for the big show is no more BS because everything with AEW is just pure bullshit. They lied to you about being an alternative we're doing press conferences and town hall meetings and doing all these different concerts that we saw from WWEs over the years. We're having uh, run-ins every single match uh, that's over, like WCW. I don't know what the hell what, that was. That fucking brawl at the end of Dynamite last night was ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? There's, it's one thing for me to come on here every week and say uh, they talk out of both sides of their ass. They do this and they, they say one day they do something else. But the more and more I watch this show, the more I cover this product, it's just amateur hour. And, you know, I've been going on this for 10 minutes now, right? And have you noticed that I've mentioned anything about your booking Have you heard me mention anything about the creative? The action in the ring sucks. The commentary in the ring sucks. Their referee crew sucks. And then as far as the match pairing is concerned, since now we want to talk about booking, that sucks too. Let me run down this card so it's time for me to make my predictions for this shitty-ass pay-per-view. Here we go. Start it off. Buy-in match. Thunder Rosa and Riho against Britt Baker and Ripple. Uh, Riho and Thunder Rosa win. Hangman Page and Matt Hardy big money match. Hangman Page wins. Hikaru Shida against Real Mizunami for the AEW Women's title. Shida retains. Team Taz against Sting and Darby Allen in a street fight. Oh, by the way. I thought the WWE is the only uh, promotion that just does the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, my bad. I, I guess it was the same thing I saw with Sting and Team Taz for the last two months. Uh, Team Taz will beat Sting and Darby Allen. Cody Rhodes against Scorpio Sky. By the way, never have Scorpio Kai, uh, Sky on commentary again. Uh, against Pentagon Jr., Lance Archer, Max Caster. 
By the way, <laughs> I gotta go back to this. So on the Go Hope Show, we're having Max Caster and Preston Vance on your show. Booker of the Year, pal. Booker of the Year. I'm not even going to waste any energy on what I saw for the Wrestling Observer Awards because that what, what came out of that last week was just a spin in the face of what wrestling media is. And by the way, wrestling media, wrestling media is already a joke as it is. So I'm not, not going to waste my time going on a rant about it. So, the face of the Revolution ladder match. So, where wins this match will get a future AWTNT championship match. LOL, Cody Rhodes, a.k.a. Jeff Jarrett, wins. Young Bucks retain over Chris Jericho and Jeff. Next, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor against Miro and Kit Sabian. Who gives a shit? Miro and Kit Sabian win. Casino Battle Royal. Let's go with the Dark Order. And then, finally, the main event. Lenny Oshmega against John Moxley for the AEW World Title and Exploding Barbed Wire Death Match. That's right, Lenny Oshmega will beat John Moxley. So, <laughs> say whichever you want, but I break down the show every single week. I try to find things that I want to enjoy with the show. But last night's Dynamite was a goddamn embarrassment. The show fucking sucked. Point blank. I don't care if you disagree with me. I don't care if you get butthurt over that. But I'm not going to come on here and freaking sugarcoat things with AEW. I ain't going to do that game. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, you want to put them on a pedestal and give them A-plus ratings for their TV shows every week because you want to work with them. I don't really care. You know, if I'm going to be the only person out here on these podcasts that are going to hold them to a standard, then so be it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what the hell is wrong with AEW. Alright, folks. Go wrap it up right there. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today and uh, enjoying this week's edition of the Who's Podcast. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast. It comes to you free of charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at the Who's Podcast. Nope, scratch that. At Josh Lopez Media. Damn you, DMCA. Damn you. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram if you like, at Josh Lopez94. At Instagram, at Josh Lopez Music. Uh, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com so you can follow along with all my coverage of the New Japan Cup. I'm really excited for that. I think next week on the podcast, I'll give you more of a breakdown and like more predictions because uh, I got the full like first round of the. New Japan Cup I got to do this weekend, so it's going to be a busy couple of days for you, truly. But um, make sure to check out those articles at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Um, and um, please, leave, if you could, please leave us like a four or five star review. It really helps expand the reach of the show. And also, if you ever have any questions for me, you can hit me up on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. So, I'd like to remind everybody, be the authentic product that is yourself. And always remember, you are dictating the pace of your life, nobody else. I'm Joshi. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, everybody. This has been episode 247 of the Who's Podcast. Three episodes away from reaching 250, folks. I can't believe it. It's been a, it's been a fun journey. Next week on the podcast, we'll be making predictions for um, Impact Wrestling Sacrifice pay review, which is going to be on Impact Plus, which is next Saturday. And I'll just know what happened at Revolution and the first round of the New Japan Cup. So 
Well, I'm not excited for Revolution. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and I thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. Have a wonderful weekend. And right now, I'm going to send it off to Bernard Carter for this week's edition of the Dawson Therico. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that tells things like it is and is as unbiased and down the middle as possible and doesn't hand out awards just because they happen to be on a company's payroll. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to be a pleasant episode of The Thoughts of Derrico this week. This is going to be Derrico, Brother Carter, getting mad and angry and basically calling out a, uh, I, I don't know what you would call it, a, a publication, we'll call it a publication if you could even call it that, I think of it more as the National Enquirer. Publication that handed out some awards and is being and is heralded by many as some of the most high level journalism in the sport of professional wrestling. The wrestling new the Wrestling Observer newsletter just released its 2020 awards of 2020 awards for the year 2020, and I don't even know where to begin. And I understand that these awards are voted on by the readers, which basically goes to show you that the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, or apparently, which is supposedly this, this, this great and renowned publication, is being purchased by ridiculous, stupid internet mark fans that would not know a good wrestling product if it slapped them upside the head. Like, it's awful. The only reason... That AEW, and I said this before, the only reason that AEW fans actually like the product is because it's not WWE. And I'm convinced of this. Because anybody with even a, a brain slightly bigger than the size of a pea would know that All Elite Wrestling is complete dog trash. And yet most of the awards this year were, were given to AEW talent. It's completely biased. It's completely ridiculous. Clearly the fans are just trying to put themselves over and not actually care about a good product. And I'm just going to go through some of these awards and, and you tell me whether you think that this that these are deserved. Now, this is the entire company. This is the entire, you know, landscape of professional wrestling. So let's get into this. Most so the Luthez slash Ric Flair Award for Wrestler of the Year goes to John Moxley. John freaking Moxley. The guy who all who can cut a good promo. He's very good at cutting promos. I will I will give him credit with that. But you're telling me that he's a better wrestler than Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, uh Ricochet, uh, you know, name the top talent in WWE, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre. Um, Jay Uso, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro. You're telling me that Moxley is a better wrestler than them. Give me a freaking break. 
only reason that they're giving this thing to Moxley is because he was AEW champion before. These awards should not be the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. This should be the AEW Awards, which is with just a few others thrown in there to make it look like we're not a little we're not biased. So what this is, it's it's run by stupid, stupid, stupid ass wrestling marks that should who are going to kill the wrestling business? This publication and these fans are going to make the wrestling business a laughing stock within five years and just a joke and nothing to do with athletic talent, which WWE has done an amazing job of doing over the last few years of really pushing this to mainstream, like considering another major sport. And AEW is bringing it down because of their stupid garbage, indie, childish booking and promotions. All right, let's get into the king list. Let's keep going with this. Most outstanding wrestler. Kenny Omega. Most outstanding wrestler, Kenny freaking Omega. The most overrated superstar in professional wrestling history is the wrestler of the year. He sucks. I've said it many times. Kenny Omega sucks. He wouldn't even make the mid-card in WWE. That's how bad he is. He's awful. His promos are terrible. He oversells. He has like three good moves. Like, it's it's awful. I, 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 I don't get it. Tag team of the year. Current AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, for like the seventh year in a row. Whatever. Best on interviews, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is fine on interviews. But you're telling me he's a better at cutting promos than Roman Reigns? You're telling me he's better at cutting promos than The Fiend? Are you kidding me? Like, I like Eddie Kingston. I, I, I have great things to say. He, he wasn't even on television this week. Eddie Kingston was not on television this week. And you're telling me he's the best on interviews? Give me a break. Promotion of the year, AEW. Shocking. Best weekly television show, AEW Dynamite. Shocking. Pro Wrestling Match of the Year, The Young Bucks versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega at AEW Revolution 2020. That match was above... Uh, I mean, name me the matches from any NXT TakeOver in 2020. Or... From, you know, random... The the triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. uh, The ladder match. I think it was from... um, It was back in October. Maybe Hell in a Cell. I don't remember. But that match was way better than the the Young Bucks, Adam Page, Kenny Omega match. You kidding me? (sighs) All right. Women's Wrestling MVP. Bailey. Fine. I I don't agree with that, but fine. Uh, Best box office draw. Conor McGregor. Fine. Feud of the year, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. It wasn't even a feud. It wasn't even a feud. It was two guys that are randomly mad at each other for a little while. <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, again, this is Roman Reigns Jey Uso. Um, you know, for that could have potentially been a feud. Uh, I, I would have put that one in there. Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Like I think those are way more believable than Moxley and Kingston. Good lord. Most improved, Britt Baker. Fine, I, I can get behind that a little bit. Uh, I would have given most. I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what I would give most improved to. Maybe I'll probably give most improved to Apollo Cruz, to be honest. But not Brooke Baker. Most charismatic MJF. Fine, but he's gone downhill since the inner circle. The best brawler, John Moxley. Moxley's well, he's not a brawler. Most overrated, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is the second best wrestling wrestler. He's got the second best thing going in the in the professional wrestling landscape, minus Roman Reigns. That's, Bray Wyatt is is one of the best parts about professional wrestling today. It's ridiculous. Most underrated Ricochet, I can buy that. Rookie of the Year, Pat McAfee, I can get behind that. Best non-wrestler, Taz. 
No. The best non-wrestler, I'd probably say, well, I don't know. I'd, pro- I'd probably say Heyman, not Taz. Best TV. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm going to give you two more that I know I need to stop. Best TV announcer, Excalibur. Best TV announcer, Excalibur. He won that over Corey Graves. He won that over the NXT UK commentary team. He won that over, I, I think Marl Ronaldo was with the company for a little while in 2020. Excalibur. Who can barely... And then, uh, let's see. And, and I, mean, I mean, of course, worst promotion of the year, WWE. Fine. Best booker, Tony Khan. Promoter of the... Yeah, I mean, look at Dynamite this week and tell me that was booker of the year material. Best promoter of the year, Tony Khan. I actually agree with that. Promoter of the year, Tony Khan. What he's done with AEW, I give him credit for that. Best gimmick, Orange Cassidy. Guy who puts his hands in his pockets wins best gimmick. As opposed to the Fiend. As opposed to the Tribal Chief. I... 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 The, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has gone downhill for, for a long time. And this puts the nail on the cake. Which How anybody can take this as a credible wrestling source is beyond me. It's complete bullshit. And uh, uh, the, the, the readers of this publication should be ashamed of themselves and embarrassed. And they should they'd be embarrassed for calling themselves wrestling fans. It's, it's awful. They, should be, they are an embarrassment to the wrestling industry. Okay, that took me about nine minutes. I got to move on. Uh, I could go on for another 20 about this, but I need to stop. Okay, just a couple things from uh, WWE this week. Uh, Bianca Belair, Sasha Mania. I love it. I think that's going to be great. We all knew that was coming. Really looking forward to the match. I think it's going to be terrific. Looks like we're going to get Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. That should be fine. Uh, going to Raw this week. Great opening match with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I mean, no surprises there, though. That was fantastic. Uh I am so happy that Bobby, Bobby Lashley is the WWE champion. I think this is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's well-deserved. What Bobby Lashley has done with his career over the last year has been remarkable. He took this god-awful storyline with Lana and made the United States Championship more relevant than it's ever been and is now the WWE champion because he deserves it. Bobby Lashley looks the best he's ever looked in his career. He's got MVP to help be his mouthpiece. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not, Lashley was never the best on the mic, but when he does talk, it's beyond effective. He's got Lashley, he's got MVP to back him up. He's got uh, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander as a part of the Hurt Business, which is easily the best stable in professional wrestling. It's amazing to see him on top. Congratulations to Bobby Lashley as WWE champion. Him, versus McIntyre in the main event of Mania is going to be awesome. And I cannot wait to see it. Congratulations, Bobby Lashley. You are the man. All right, and I'm going to close the thoughts of Derrico this week with my predictions from Revolution. I don't even know why I'm predicting the show. Probably just to remain unbiased because I think that this, I think that this pay-per-view is going to be complete trash. I'm not going to watch it, if I'm being honest with you. I'm not going to watch it because I ain't paying money to watch this crap. It's going to be awful. And it's it's nothing in it. There's one match that I'm excited about. But other than that, I could give two, I couldn't give two craps about what is going to be probably the worst pay-per-view of 2021. But let's get into it. 
Casino Tag Team Royale for a future AEW Tag Team Championship match. We've got Bear Country, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, Santana and Ortiz, The Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, and Top Flight. Gonna, I'm going to go with John Silver and Alex Reynolds here because I think they've done great work. Uh, John Silver is very entertaining. I definitely think he has a future. He could be a star. He's very entertaining. So I'm hoping for Silver and Alex Reynolds. They're probably going to give it to somebody who's close with the elite because this is all friends wrestling. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to predict uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds get it there. The big money match between worthless Matt Hardy and great Adam Page, who I really like. Adam Page. I, I've been a huge Adam Page fan for a long time, uh, and I think that that. Um, he he, uh, I think he has potential to be a, a superstar as well. I really like Adam Page. I'm going to take Matt Hardy to get the win here because knowing AEW and their horrendous booking, despite the fact that Tony Khan is Booker of the Year, which is a lie, um, they're going to screw this up and they're going to well, no, what they're going to do is they're going to make Matt Hardy win and then they're going to make Hangman Adam Page like be a butler or something like that because he can't afford his debts or whatever, and they're going to do this horrible, bu- uh, you know. I don't know, servant angle or whatever, like they tried to do with Chuck Taylor and Miro, which completely flopped. So that's what I think. I think Matt Hardy's going to get the win here and they're going to continue this feud because AEW does not know how to use Hangman Adam Page. In a feud that I really don't care about, Miro and Kip Sabian against Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. I'll take Cassidy and Taylor here just for the fact that the fans are going to want to see Orange Cassidy. I mean, I I don't mind Orange Cassidy, I actually think Orange Cassidy is talented, but book, but gimmick of the year, it's ridiculous. But um, I, Miro is a joke. Kip Sabian is a joke. Um, Chuck Taylor is meh, and Orange Cassidy is fine. I'm going to give it to Cassidy and Taylor, and hopefully they move on, but uh, whatever. Face of the Revolution ladder match. We've got uh, Cody Rhodes, Lance Archer, uh, Penta L Zero and Scorpio Sky, as well as um, Max Caster, who won his match tonight to get in there. And I believe it's one more to be named. We'll probably get some ex WWE star that's going to make his debut because that's what they like to do. And then we'll be relegated to um, the undercard because that's what they do with their talent. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I don't. Lance Archer, I guess, because they need something for him to do. And that actually could give some, uh, that, that actually could be a good match with a, an interesting contrast of styles with him and Darby Allen. So I'm going to take Lance Archer here, but uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. Hikaru Shida defends the AEW Women's Championship against, uh, let's see, Ryo Mizunami, who I actually, I, I, this is the match that I'm actually wanting to see. And if I was going to watch this show, this would actually be the card, uh, the match that I'd want to see. Really like, I, I, I don't know much about uh, uh, Ryo Mizunami, but she had a nice match with Nyla Rose this week. So I was really, really excited about I really liked that match. And um, I'm going to say Hikaru Shida def- uh, retains here because uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't see Ryo Mizunami sticking around in AEW. But I think that this could be a good match. And, and uh, if it is, Mizunami is going to have to be the star because Shida is, I like Shida. But um, I, I don't know. I, we haven't seen her on television in a long time. So we'll see. But I'm going to say that Sheeta retains here. But I, but I actually am looking forward to, the, to seeing this match. I think it, or if I 
were to watch. I believe that this would be the one match I'd be looking forward to. Another match that I don't care about. The Young Bucks defending the AEW Tag Team Championships against Chris Jericho and MJF. The Bucks retain for two reasons. One, because the Elite have to do whatever they can to put themselves over because they have ego issues. And two, Sammy Guevara returns, costs Jericho and MJF, and that sets up a feud with uh, Guevara and the Inner Circle. So I'm going to say the Young Bucks retain here uh, for those two reasons. Brian Cage and Ricky Starks going against Sting and Darby Allen. Sting, who will look horrible in his return to the ring to a street fight. Uh, I don't care about Sting. I used to love Sting. I can't stand Sting anymore because I, I, I don't care about him. I'll say Sting and Darby Allen retain. Hopefully, it's to put over Darby Allen because I like Darby Allen and I think he has potential to to be the face of the company. But so I'm going to say Sting and Darby Allen uh, get the win here in another stupid garbage death match, or not a death match, but another stupid garbage match, uh, because this is what AEW does. Uh, the pre-show match is, uh, let's see, it's Thunder, Re- uh, Thunder Rosa, I forgot to mention this, Thunder uh, Rosa and Riho versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and um, Reba. And I actually am looking forward to this match too. I'm looking forward to the women's matches more than the men's matches if I was to watch the show. And uh, I'm gonna say that uh, I'm I'm gonna say that Thunder Rosa and Rio get the win here, and there's gonna be some problems with Britt Baker and Reba. Maybe Reba turns on Britt Baker at this point. I don't know, but I'm gonna say that the faces get the win here. I don't know why this match is, is on the countdown show and not on the main show because you need to be showcasing, especially Britt Baker, who's the best part of their women's division. But I'm gonna say that Rio and uh, Thunder Rosa get the win there. And in your main event, if you can even call it that, John, uh, the most overrated wrestler of all time, Kenny Omega, defends the AEW World Championship against John Moxley uh, in an exploding barbed wire, stupid garbage death match that I don't care about. Kenny Omega will get the win, and then we don't see John Moxley for a while. Again, for two reasons: one, because the elite have to put themselves over because they've basically bought themselves a wrestling promotion. And they have to do whatever they can to put themselves ego, their ego, put themselves over because they could could never make it in WWE. And two, because I think John Moxley's going to go away for a while, spend some time being a father and helping to raise um, his new child, which I which I respect completely, and I, I certainly wish him and and Renee Paquette all the best in the world in their journey as parents. Uh, that's a wonderful thing for both of them. Uh, so I think Omega retains here for those two reasons. And the most overrated wrestler of all time continues his reign uh, in the most overrated promotion of all time. And those are my predictions for uh, Revolution. And those are the thoughts of Derek for this week. My final thought is I don't give a damn what anyone says anymore. I will continuously bash all elite wrestling until it is wiped off the face of the planet because they deserve it. What the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.